so much for joining us for our final week of Ghost Stories. Throughout the month of November, we will be exploring the lost art of friendship and what the Bible has to say about conflict, friendship, and relationships, all leading up to Friendsgiving. I mean Thanksgiving. This will be the series that we walk through throughout the month of November. We can't wait. Next Sunday, November 5th, is Baptism Sunday, and we are super excited. If you are interested in getting baptized or have any questions, please reach out to any of the staff or email us at prodigalchurchfresno at gmail.com. Next Sunday is also our volunteer training for anybody who's working with our kids from ages zero up to age 18. So if you are a volunteer in those areas, plan to stick around from 11 to 12. And if you have any questions, please reach out to me. Thank you so much for joining us for our finale of Ghost Stories. Have a great Sunday. Well, happy Halloween. We're so excited for our trunk or treat event that's happening today at Prodigal. We've got trunks and carnival games and inflatables and face painting and food trucks. It's all at Prodigal today. So if you are in the Fresno Clovis area, head over to 5445 North Palm Avenue. We're going to have an absolute blast. Now, there are lots of famous trios in our culture. And here at Prodigal, we have people from every generation represented. And so to kind of get things started, we're going to give you some of the most famous trios. You guys know what a trio is, right? It's, it's a group of three, a team of three. The best trios from each decade, starting with all the way back to the 1950s. Are you ready? Okay, 1950s. Famous trio from the 50s. How about the Three Stooges? Larry, Moe, and Curly. I remember watching this show growing up. I wasn't around back then, but they had reruns. Then the 1960s, lots to choose from here, but let's go with Captain Kirk, Spock, and McCoy from Star Trek. 1970s, we're gonna keep that theme going, and we're gonna go with Luke, Leia, and Han from Star Wars. The 1980s, it gets a little bit more difficult for me because this was my jam. I could have gone with the Three Amigos, but I went with Ferris, Cameron, and Sloan from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I remember watching this movie when I was eight years old with a bunch of friends and my friend Mike's basement. In the 1990s, again, could have went with a lot of different ones. Beastie Boys, Destiny's Child. Uh, I could have went with Huey, Dewey, and Louie, but I went with the best show on TGIF, Boy Meets World, Corey, Sean, and Topanga. Okay, we're having fun with this. I hope you're having fun. We've now entered a decade that I think we can all relate to. We've all been around for it. It's the 2000s. I could have said Ross, Joey, and Chandler, or Monica, Phoebe, Rachel from Friends, but I kind of consider them a group of six. I had to go with Harry, Hermione, and Ron of Harry Potter. Now, present day. What do you think? What's, what's a great trio? I don't know. There are lots of famous trios, and it's not just people, okay? We have paper, rock, scissors, stop, drop, and roll, snap, crackle, pop. But by far, the trio of all trios, the most famous trio of all times, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Now, did you notice that in nearly all of those trios, there is one who is kind of forgotten, maybe a bit discarded. In Harry Potter, it's Ron. In Star Trek, it's McCoy. And in Boy Meets World, it's Sean. And the forgotten member of the Holy Trinity has got to be the Holy Spirit. 
Welcome to the finale of our Ghost Stories sermon series. Throughout October, we've been exploring spooky tales and paranormal encounters found within the scriptures. In the last of our ghost stories, we're going to be talking about the Holy Ghost. Okay, Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit, they are synonymous. They are interchangeable within the scriptures. Holy Ghost carries with it a bit of a more Pentecostal vibe. The Holy Spirit is mentioned over 350 times in the Bible, and there's over 50 different descriptions of the Spirit laying out what the Holy Spirit does. Holy Spirit's never given a name. God the Father has a name, Yahweh. God the Son has a name, Jesus. God the Spirit is never given a name, only descriptive titles, powerful wind, life-giving breath, the peace of God that descends like a dove, counselor, helper, all-consuming fire. Now, we're certainly not going to have time to do an exhaustive study of the Spirit, but I hope that this morning we'll get rid of some of the common misconceptions and get a better grasp of the Spirit's role and presence in our lives. Let's dive in. Jesus says this in John 14, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus is speaking with his disciples on earth and he's like, I won't be here on earth forever. Okay. But I'm going to talk to the Father, and I will give you another advocate. In Greek, there are two types of the word another. In English, we just have one, okay? Another. In Greek, when I say another, I could say heteros or allos. They both mean another, but they're slightly different in variation. The word heteros means another of a completely different kind. The word alos means another of the same kind. Let me put it this way. Let's go back in time and go to the warehouse music store in the 1990s, okay? We're there, we're gonna buy a music CD. Now, I'm, we're walking the aisles together and I go to the alternative rock section. I pick out a CD based solely on the album cover. I then bring it out to my car, take off the plastic wrap, which takes forever. It's so difficult. And then I put it into the six disc changer in my Mustang 5.0 and I listen to it. And I'm like, I don't love the music. In fact, I don't like it at all. I'm going to buy another CD. Am I going to buy another CD exactly like the one I just bought? No, no. I want another one of a different kind. I want a heteros CD. Another one, very different than the one I just bought. But let's say you and I are walking through the warehouse and we buy the Counting Crows first album, August and everything after. 
and I start jamming to it in my boombox at home. I really like the music. I invite some friends over. I show it to you. And then we listen together. And then I say to you, you can have mine. I'll go and buy another. It is then that I use the word alos. I want to buy another one just like the one that I gave you. The Greek word alos means another of the same kind. And when Jesus says, I will send to you another helper, another advocate, another comforter, he uses the word alos, a comforter just like me, just like the one that you've had in me. The Holy Spirit to you is as good a helper to you as Jesus was to his disciples. The word here for advocate or helper is the word paraclete. Okay, not parakeet, paraclete. It means helper, advocate, counselor, one who pleads another's cause. Someone who is on your side and defending you from the attacks of whoever is assailing you or whatever is assailing you. Now, Bible translators have experienced great difficulties in translating the scriptures from Hebrew and Greek into African languages. The Kari language of equatorial Africa was difficult, especially when it came to the word paraclete. How could they describe the Holy Spirit? One day, the translators saw a group of men going into the bush, carrying bundles of wood on their heads. They noticed that one didn't carry anything. They assumed he was the boss who was present to kind of make sure that the others did all their work. However, they discovered that he was not the boss. Rather, he was present so that should anyone fall with exhaustion, this man would take up that person's load and carry it for them. This man was known in the Kari language as the one who falls down beside us. It is then that the translators had their word for paraclete. The Holy Spirit is our paraclete, our counselor, our advocate, the one who falls down beside us. When Dex was six, he said to me, Dad, I don't really like exterminators. Well, why Dex? Why don't you like exterminators? I think they're really nice. They're not nice. They go into people's houses and they kill all their pets. They what? Yeah, I saw it on an ad. They come into your house and they get rid of all the pets in the house. Oh, I see what's going on here. Okay, well, Dex, they don't get rid of pets. They get rid of pests. Okay, there's another S in there. And pests is like spiders and bugs and stuff like that. Exterminators kill those. They don't kill anybody's pet animals. Oh, Dex says. Well, then I like them too. He legit thought that exterminators go into people's houses and murder their animals. Now, we only have one pet in our house, okay? A, a fish named Patty that lives in a tank in Dex's room. Can you imagine the fear that a child would have if someone whose job is to go into your room and kill your fish. Now, Dex, in that moment, completely missed the purpose of what exterminators actually do. 
we do the very same thing with the Holy Spirit. How many of you have thought that the Holy Spirit was the sin cop? In my mind, he was there, you know, making sure everything was in order, just waiting to convict me as soon as I made a mistake. The Bible says in Ephesians that we are sealed with the Spirit. Jesus says the same thing. He says that we're, the Spirit is inside of us as believers. That guilty feeling that we experience when we do something wrong, I don't think that's the Spirit. I think it's your conscience. As a follower of Jesus, it is our consciences that testify against us and make us feel guilty. It's not the Spirit. But the Spirit does lead us to a good conscience. And I think that there's a difference between a conscience and a good conscience. We've all heard the phrase, follow your conscience. And the problem with that advice is that most people follow it like following a wheelbarrow. They direct it where they want it to go, and then they follow behind. As a Christian, our conscience that is sealed with the Spirit will always lead us. We won't lead it. And it will always lead us to Jesus. If something inside of you is telling you to do something, and it takes you further away from Jesus, that's not the Spirit. Conviction of sin is the warning light on your car. Not the backseat driver leaning over the seat telling you how bad you are for not putting enough coolant in the radiator. It is the Spirit that says, caution, danger ahead. Not, you idiot. That's not the Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit is our paraclete our helper, our counselor, the one who pleads our case, not the one who gives us a beatdown. Your good conscience brings guilt. The devil brings shame. Romans says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the Spirit always leads us to Jesus. So if you are feeling a spirit of condemnation, that's not the Spirit. But we mustn't pretend that the Spirit isn't inside moving us, stirring us, helping us to look more and more like Christ. I read a poem this week that, that spoke to me about this internal uh, struggle with conscience and spirit, conviction, guilt. It's called myself. I have to live with myself, and so I want to be fit for myself to know. I want to be able as days go by, always to look myself straight in the eye. I don't want to stand with the setting sun and hate myself for the things I've done. I don't want to keep on the closet shelf a lot of secrets about myself and fool myself as I come and go into thinking that nobody else will know. The kind of man I really am, I don't want to dress up myself in sham. I don't want to look at myself and know that I'm bluster and bluff and empty show. I can never hide myself from me. I see what others may never see. I know what others may never know. I never can fool myself and so. Whatever happens, I want to be self-respecting and conscience-free. Yes, and the Spirit says yes and amen. There is a connection between conviction and conscience. 
and the Spirit unites both in order to make us look more and more like Christ. The Spirit speaks to us through conscience and conviction, but the role of the Spirit isn't to be the sin police in our lives. The Spirit always points us to Jesus. John 15, Jesus says, but I will send you the advocate, right? The, another one, just like me, the Spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. In John 16, Jesus says that the Spirit will glorify me. The Spirit always leads us to Jesus. The great Norwegian explorer Ronald Amundsen, the first to discover the magnetic meridian of the North Pole and to discover the South Pole. On one of his trips, he took a homing pigeon with him. When he had finally reached the top of the world, he opened the bird's cage and set it free. Imagine the delight of his wife back in Norway when she looked up from the doorway and saw this homing pigeon circling the sky above. No doubt she would have exclaimed, my husband's alive, my husband's alive. And so it is with Jesus when he ascended. He was gone, but the disciples clung to the promise of the Holy Spirit. And what a joy when this dove-like Holy Spirit descended at Pentecost. In Acts 2, the Spirit descends with tongues of fire. In other ways, it's pictured as a dove. Uh, the disciples had with them and in them a constant reminder that Jesus was alive and victorious at the right hand of God. This continues to be the Spirit's message. My first job ever, I was the bird at Red Robin. I was 18 years old, and back then we had these baggy corduroy pants, not the current red tights that the modern day Red Robin has. And I loved being the bird, flapping around from table to table, being a little bit flirty with some of the teenage girls that happened to be in the restaurant. And one time, as I was strutting my stuff, these two teenage girls strike up a conversation. And I didn't know them, but they seemed to be having fun and they started asking me questions. And as the bird, I couldn't talk. So I had to use hand signals, or feather signals, to answer their questions. Okay, how old are you? And they're like, 16? And I was like, no, higher. And they're like, uh, 17? And I'm like, no, higher. And 18, I'm like, yes, I give the A-OK -okay sign. And they go, do you go to Clovis High? And I'm like, no, boo. Clovis West, no, Buchanan, yes, yeah, I, that's where I go. And then they said, do you know John and Pete Richardson? And now here's where things get a bit interesting. They asked me, do you know John and Pete Richardson? And I mean, yeah, I, I know them pretty well. And so I gave them the thumbs up and the A-OK -okay sign. And like, so you were close to them? And I kind of put my arm like, like this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, like we're, we're close. And then one of them says, because John and Peter are so hot. And then I start to fan my face, okay, my beak. And they think that I'm saying, omen oh, G, I agree, so hot. But really I'm trying to cool myself down because I'm so hot, okay. They start giggling at, like I'm one of their girlfriends. I think they might think I'm a girl in the costume. And they say, so how do you know John and Pete? And then I lean into the table like I'm going to whisper something very personal. I lift up my beak and I reveal my face and say, because I'm John Richardson. And then I just flap my wings and walk away. Yeah, they freaked out. 
I never went back to the table. I just flew off into the sunset. Now, that's a true story, okay? You can ask Sarah. And Sarah knows it's true because she was one of the girls. Okay? That's not true, okay? She wasn't. It is a true story, but Sarah wasn't there. Now, later that night, word gets out that I broke a character, okay? And as a mascot, that's a massive no-no. And so my boss says, you don't ever show your face. You're the bird. You're the red robin. And I'm like, geez. Like, I was just trying to be funny. And I kind of tell him the story, and then he doubles down. He says, being the bird is not a joke. It's serious. And I'm like, okay, gosh. And I just start flapping away. I remember later that winter at the staff Christmas party, my boss uh, like, kind of tries to be friends with me. And he brings up the story. He's like, remember those girls? And I'm like, being the bird is not funny. And also, we're not friends. Remember you yelled at me? Once I saw him as an authority person who was mean, making sure I did everything right, I couldn't see him as anything else but that. For so many years, after seeing the Holy Spirit of God as the sin police, it was almost impossible to see him as anything but, but that. That's not the Spirit. No. The Spirit gives. The Spirit speaks. The Spirit leads. The Holy Spirit is the point in which the Trinity, the greatest trio of all time, becomes personal in the life of a believer. First Thessalonians 5 says, do not quench the spirit. This is a funny Greek word. Spenumi, to quench, to extinguish, to suppress, to stifle. You can stifle the spirit or you can follow the spirit's lead. Some of us have been extinguishing the spirit's voice in our lives lately. We have quenched the spirit. You feel something stirring inside of you to help someone. We pour water on it. We feel something stirring inside of us to give. We feel something moving us toward making this one change in our lives that we know we're supposed to make. And we suppress that fire and we extinguish it. Let's put away the fire hose that we use to quench the Spirit, and let's invite the Holy Spirit, fire, to move in and through us in a fresh way this morning and beyond. Spirit, we give you permission to move us, direct us, and lead us. We thank you that the Spirit, that you live inside of us. The Spirit is within, that we are sealed with the Spirit. God, I pray that we would listen to the voice of the Spirit we'd feel the presence of the Spirit in our lives. And not just in our prayer time or our worship time or when we're alone, but God, may we sense and feel your presence with us every day as we raise our kids, as we work our jobs, as we call our family and friends. Spirit, be in us. And let us be attentive to everyone around us, whether we know them or not, whether we love them or not. God, may you move us. We need you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you so much for joining us online at Prodigal Church Fresno. Next week, we begin a brand new sermon series called The Lost Art of Friendship, and it should be a great time. We hope you have an amazing week. Grace 
and peace in the Middle East.